What's up, everybody? It is I, once again, your host, Joshua DeYoung, back with another episode of Do You Mind? Back from the grave, it feels like. I mean, that's a tad dramatic, but two weeks feels like an eternity for me. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since I did an episode. But, um, yeah. I've been, uh, doing a lot. There's a lot of reasons why. But honestly, the main one is I've mostly just been stressing out about not doing an episode instead of just doing an episode. So I'm doing an episode. And, um, yeah, there's a lot in here. So uh, we're just going to get on right into it. Let's do it right now. So, like I said, it's been a little bit since the last time I recorded one of these. I've been slacking a little and feeling bad about myself, like I so often do. Uh, I was riding real high on the John Hackleman interview for a minute until I released it. And it's been two weeks, and it now has seven whole listens to date. And it's not like I didn't try promoting it either. I mean, I shared it everywhere, like Facebook groups I was in that were related to MMA and podcasting. I shared it on the SureDog MMA forums. Seven listens. But hey, I got to talk to John Hackleman, and that was still super exciting. I wish more people were excited with me, though, you know? As so I went into a major funk. That'd be a great name for a band, by the way. Major Funk. Feel free to steal that. So then uh, I started coming out of it and writing this episode you're about to hear, but got a little distracted. Why? Well, because I finally discovered Fortnite. Okay, I didn't just discover it. I've known about Fortnite, but I never really played it before. I didn't know what it was. Like, I tried to download it on my phone but the controls sucked and I kept getting killed, so it was awful and I deleted it. And then I was recently looking for games that I could play online with my friends because Bobby and Sam have been playing nothing but Animal Crossing. Honestly, some days doing nothing but playing Animal Crossing. And they do it online with their friends and family all the time, and it's actually really cool, especially during the quarantine, to have a place to hang out virtually. Oh, yeah, real quick, I guess for those of you who are blissfully unaware about what Animal Crossing is all about, basically it's a video game where you go to a deserted island, that's how it starts off, is deserted, and you move in and start off sleeping in a tent, and you just build up your island from there. You chop down trees, plant new ones wherever you want them, plant flowers, uh, get new characters to live on your island with you and set up where their houses go. Uh, You can fish, you can catch bugs, you can dig for fossils, and little by little you build your little deserted island up into a community full of fun people that you get to hang out with. So it's not like a classic video game where there's like a big boss battle at the end or anything. In fact, it never ends. You just live on your island forever and keep making it cooler and inviting your friends to come over and check it out. It's pretty cool. I mean, I've played it a little bit and I can see the appeal. There's like something very zen about it that I really can't explain. It's like just the small joys of casting your fishing line into a river or picking fruit out of the trees. Like it's not a fast-paced game at all like what I'm used to. Like it's 
more like an RPG because you can just walk around and talk with the other characters on the island. But like other than that, it's just really up to you. You can just go and live your life however you want. I just don't have the time commitment to maintain a whole island and keep my villagers happy. I mean, I just watched Bobby and Sam stress out about it, and I'm like, I don't have the time for this extra responsibility. So then I had already cleared out Super Smash Brothers, and I was getting bored. Uh, I was playing some other games on the, the Super Nintendo emulator that comes with the Switch, which is dope. Um, it was actually really fun for a while. Like They had some hits like you know Zelda, Kirby, Super Metroid, uh, some Mario games, Donkey Kong. Um, then there were some other more obscure titles that I'd never even heard about, like Brawl Brothers, uh, Breath of Fire, Demon's Crest. Oh, and this one that's really fun that I've been playing for a minute uh, is called Joe and Mac 2 Lost in the Tropics, where you play as a caveman and you get to run around smashing things with a club and riding dinosaurs and stuff and you know like you know they have like full you know like sometimes some games kind of like in castlevania you eat full rotisserie chickens to regain health but after you do that in this game you can like spit out the bones at people like as a weapon or like if you eat a spicy pepper you can like spit fire at people and they, it, it's it was fun um it was fun for a while but i got bored and i really just wanted something that i could play with my friends enter fortnite now, I know there are other, like, Battle Royale-style games, like the Call of Duty Warzone or Apex Legends, uh, and they're all, like, free to play and download, but Fortnite's the only one that I can play on my Switch, so uh, I've been playing that the most. I have a PS4, and I, even, I started playing Apex and everything, but I sucked at it, for one, and for two, every time I want to play it, I have to unplug the HDMI cord that we have from the Apple TV, like, the one cord we have, and plug it into the PS4, so... You know, Fortnite's just a little more hassle-free. Like, I can just pick it up and play it. Just go. And also, I can play Fortnite with my nephews back home, and they really seem to enjoy it. They're way better at it than me. Um, the other thing I really dig about Fortnite is the, the building aspect of it. Like, you start off the game dropping in, jumping out of a plane with a little umbrella, float down like Mary Poppins, and you just have a little pickaxe. And you start to look around for guns and other supplies and, you know, chop down trees and, you know, it's kind of like Animal Crossing. And along the way, you can use your pickaxe on, you know, rocks and houses and cars and stuff to get the building materials and then set up all kinds of cool stuff from simple things like, you know, ramps to get to hard to reach places or just, you know, a wall to hide behind to like full sniper towers and elaborate traps. It's actually a really cool and unique element. Uh, oh, and you can fish too. Yeah, you can just find a pole and just, or uh, you can get uh, one of those little harpoon guns too, and you just go catch some fish, and they give you extra health in a jiffy. And I can hang out and chat with my friends while I'm playing too, so it's like, like a really high stakes Animal Crossing, like Animal Crossing with guns. It's a nice little escape from the real world, especially now, and you can even download it and play it on your phone for free. So. If you play, my name on there is Beer City Bandit, all one word, capital B, capital C, capital B, if that matters. But um, yeah, the first letter of each word's capitalized. It, hey, let's squad up sometime. Now I'm going to address the matter of my hair. So you know that scene from Napoleon Dynamite where Pedro's head gets all hot, so he just shaves it. Well, it was kind of like that, but 
worse. <laughs> I did not plan on doing this. Uh, I had just taken a shower and I was still awake late at night after Bobby and Sam had fallen asleep. So I got my trimmers out because my beard had gotten way out of control during the quarantine and it just had to go. And again, it's summer and we have to wear masks to go anywhere now, so it's making my whole face sweat and break out. It, it was a whole situation. So I bust out the trusty trimmers and I buzz off the beard and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and my hair is just crazy wild, like especially on the sides because that's where most of it is nowadays and I'd noticed my head was hot because I had just taken a shower and come downstairs and I noticed my head was feeling like it was already starting to sweat. Like I might have just been still wet and I'm crazy. I don't know. The point is, 1am me decided it had to go. So I put on the longest guard I have, which is still like really short for head hair. It's really supposed to be just a beard trimmer, but eh, whatever. The trimmer's a trimmer, right? So I get to buzzing, and I'm trying to be real careful about my lines and keeping it even all the way across. And like, I wasn't going to even go like all around my head. The idea was I was just gonna get the bulk of it out of the way and have Sam or Bobby touch it up in the morning. Again, 2 a.m. brain thought this was a great idea. Yeah, the time keeps changing, but it's all relative. Time is just a construct that we agree to when we enter this physical plane, but once you're operating on a higher vibration, you come to realize that time is an illusion and we have everything we need right here and now, in abundance, in this moment, if you believe it to be so. But since we are operating on this limited physical plane, I'm using the concept of time to illustrate a greater point, which I just now realized I should get back to real quick. So it's 3 a.m. and I'm buzzing my head. I thought about buzzing off the whole thing, like I've seen a whole bunch of dudes doing on Facebook. I've been calling it the COVID crew cut, or the triple C, if you will. All due respect to Henry Cejudo. But uh, I've been looking at my hair, and I realized something. Uh, last time I got a haircut, I only buzzed the sides and maybe trimmed a little off the top just to keep it neat. That's it. And at the time, I was buzzing my head. The hair on the sides was longer than the hair on the top of my head. And so this has led me to the sobering conclusion that this may very well be the last hurrah for Josh with hair. Because I told myself that once it started to go, that was it. And it's been steadily going for a while. Like, if you look at me straight on, it's not bad. And I'm about as tall as most people, so I get by pretty well. But the top of my head has a straight-up bald spot. Like, it's small now, but the hair up there is definitely thinning. So I'm keeping all the hair on top, but the sides definitely got to go. So then as I'm buzzing, I hear the thing start to slow down. like, And I say to myself... Ah, that's probably just because my head hair is a little thicker than my beard hair, and these things gotta work a little harder. And then as I keep going, I hear these things are definitely starting to slow down. So I'm like, well, that's annoying, but whatever. And I go to get my charger. Well, I look in the drawer I think it's in, and nope, not there. Okay, great. So I check the junk drawer. I check the box full of stray cords that we keep just in case. I turn the whole apartment upside down looking for this damn cord. 
and for the life of me, I cannot find it anywhere. So, I went to bed like that, woke up, got made fun of, explained the whole situation like I did to you just now, and we all looked all over the house, nothing. So, um, just like this now. Oh, but the Clippers showed up from Amazon at the time of writing this. I still had the shit mullet. The shit mullet's gone, but I'm still sharing the picture because it's hilarious. So, yeah. I got a shitty mullet. Uh, I got thrown in Facebook jail for a day. Completely unrelated, but that's just my week so far. And to be clear, it was like mostly over a misunderstanding. I mean, I, I kind of knew what I was doing because I'd seen friends get temporarily banned from Facebook for similar things before, but it had never happened to me before, so I kind of just wanted to see what would happen. And you know, the more I talk about it without just saying what I said, the worse you're going to build it up to be in your head because I know how some of you think. So I don't want to waste a whole lot more of your time because if I do that, you're going to start thinking to yourself like, man, Josh was really taking a long time to get to the point here. Like even for him, is he still typing all these podcasts out and he's saying all of this intentionally to lead us on to make us question everything? While I do think you should question everything, seriously, uh, this time it's really not that big a deal. Are you sure? Because you've been uh, keeping this bit going an awful long time, Josh. Yeah, well... I'm kind of just having fun beating around the bush, so to speak, but we'll talk more about that later. Dude, it must be bad. You've already been talking about what you're going to talk about and uh, when you're done talking about this. Okay, seriously, it's not that bad. Honestly, when you hear it, you're just going to laugh and see, oh, I see what he did there. Dude. Okay. Anyway, so I got banned for hate speech racist hate speech no less but it's not really that bad what happened was my buddy will wilson on facebook go add him by the way he plays guitar in a kick-ass metalcore band called echo of silence go listen to them too and he shares nothing but the dankest memes all day um well, almost nothing. You know, sometimes he's serious. Like in this particular case, he had shared something about George Floyd, you know, uh, and uh, so Will said, you know, people have called him racist for sharing that sort of thing on Facebook. Um, he's like, he's like, maybe, maybe I just like social justice. I think things should be equal. Maybe, maybe. And uh, so I commented, he's like, oh, bro, I, I'm definitely racist as fuck. I can't stand white people. That's why I share it. And then I added that smirky kind of half-smile side-eye emoji, and I thought that was enough to indicate sarcasm, but apparently not for Facebook. And granted, I can see where they're coming from. Like, if I read literally that whole thing again without tone, it would sound pretty bad, but that's why I added the emoji. Here's the beauty of the emoji and why I love using them like a child. They add tone to the text like if someone were to respond to the picture of my haircut like hey nice hair you dork that could be considered cyberbullying but if you add a winky tongue sticky outy emoji it's like oh he's just saying hi this is how friends talk we bust balls and we joke on each other and sometimes we say awful shit just to make each other laugh that we don't really mean because of course i don't hate white people 
basically my entire family is white as far as I can remember and they're almost all lovely people <laughs> hell I'm white you can see it in my profile picture I mean like I do hate myself sometimes but that's a completely different thing and we'll talk about that later I'm still on this hate speech kick like in retrospect okay sure I can see how this little stunt was immature and it seems like I'm just trying to be edgy for the sake of it or whatever and that's not really the place the comment was coming from I was just trying to make my buddy laugh oh and I succeeded by the way in fact Will and I kept talking about it later and he made a great point you know he said people who people who assume I'm racist clearly don't know that the majority of my friend base is white and I'm like yeah that kind of just comes with the territory of being a hardcore kid and you know this may sound bad but it's really just an observation uh black dudes in the metal scene are almost seen like unicorns like when i first found out howard jones the when he was the lead singer of kill switch engage when i found out he was a black guy i was like what no way that's awesome <laughs> like it wasn't unheard of by any stretch but for some reason like it's cool to see like when i noticed a black kid was into metal music i was like oh hey Oh, we got one. We're we're cool now, or something. Like I can't explain the reason for it, other than black people automatically make everything cooler somehow. Like, I don't, but the point is, it's true. Will has a ton of white friends. So anyway, uh, <laughs> and he goes, yeah. When people are like, I have a black friend, it's usually someone they know, quote unquote. And when I say I have a white friend. I mean, I could show up to their house unannounced and they'll be happy to see me. There's a huge difference there, lol. And I just cracked up at that, not only because that's just the perfect way to put it, but I also pictured both scenarios so vividly in my head. And I described it to him like, your version. Oh, shit, Sean's here. Hey, wait a minute, what are you doing out this way? Come in here, you goon. And then... There's the kind of person who would point out in a conversation about racism that they have a black friend. Oh, um, hi, Bob. What, um, what, what are you doing here? Did, did somebody die? Nah, I just wanted to see what you're doing. Um, you're my boss. Yeah, but we have fun, right? And like Will responded with three skull emojis and said he was laughing so hard he had to pee. BRB all caps LMAO and insofar so insofar as my attentions for the post I'd say on the whole it was a shining success however it has come to my attention that such behavior does come with a bit of unwanted controversy attached and of course real racism is a problem and I don't mean to make light of it so if you're one of the kind of people that are offended by me saying I hate white people sometimes, I just want to say, grow up and learn to take a joke, or unfriend me, unfollow me, and lose my number, because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> Not really, though. Come on, you, got, you keep me grounded. I was just doubling down as part of the joke. I'm just keeping it going. <laughs> or am I? Do I really mean it? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. <laughs> or do I? I don't know. Like, am I not allowed to have all these kinds of thoughts? Because they seem to be just 
happening, popping into my head, whether I want them to or not. And maybe I'm just using this podcast as a form of performance art to unleash the full, unfiltered contents of my mind into the world and start a bigger conversation about what this all really means. And besides, the kind of people that would actually get offended that I said I hate white people are the kind of people that are still mad at Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee during the national anthem. Uh, I'm sure uh, you've seen some variation of that meme going around, you know, with Colin taking a knee and the officer taking a knee on George Floyd and thought, hmm, good point. Still think this knee is offensive? You know, something like that. Well, I have one friend that who I've known since like first grade and um you know he stopped talking somewhere around the seventh grade. He moved away. I found him on Facebook years later and added him we, like we talked a little bit initially, but not much and then years after that is o- he's only just now starting to comment on anything I share that is remotely political like I guess since he's so right wing the algorithm inevitably brought us together because they knew it would increase engagement or something but anyway he's usually the most vocal republican friend commenting on my posts and debating with my more liberal friends about all these political issues and in all fairness I do welcome this sort of thing because I have friends that are much more well informed and well read than me on both sides and sometimes I like to hear both sides of a story and Honestly, I don't have the time or, honestly, mental capacity to do all the research myself. Like, just for my own mental health, I can't, like, read about all this negativity that's going on all the time right now. Or I'll just, I'll just get sad, right? So, I'll post something that I know will draw certain people out, just so I can get all the main talking points from either side in my comments section. Now, that may seem like a kind of shitty and manipulative thing to do, but... They all seem to enjoy a good civil debate as much as I do, and it's not like anyone's holding a gun to their head, making them comment over and over and over again. Uh, I should really just have them both on the podcast sometime. In fact, I'm doing that. I scheduled that for next week, Sunday. Um, So yeah, they've all agreed, and I think we're going to make it happen, so stay tuned for that. So, And anyway, like I said, so he's usually very level-headed in his line of questioning, so I welcome a little civil discourse. But this one rubbed me the wrong way, though. Like he shared an article where the headline said, Opinion. After George Floyd's death in Minnesota, still think Colin Kaepernick's knee is the problem? And his take on it was, Seeing a lot of variations on this theme, as best I can figure, the argument is, if you have a much bigger problem with a cop kneeling on a man's neck than I do with Colin Kaepernick's stunts, I can no longer have a problem with Kaepernick's stunts. Why? And while he did say up front that obviously one knee is way worse than the other, the fact that he even asked that question means he missed the point of Kaepernick's knee entirely, and now people are protesting and rioting in the streets, and that's led to looting and destruction. I honestly have mixed feelings about that whole situation because, like, no, more destruction won't really solve anything, but I can completely understand the rage that would motivate such actions, and I can't say with complete honesty that I wouldn't be one of those people out there smashing shit if I was in their position. Like, I'm not as close to... Like, I'm not... I, I don't know, but... 
I read an article uh, in the Washington Post about uh, a peaceful protest that took place shortly before the riots, and uh, there was a quote from that that I think summed things up perfectly. Like, I couldn't have said it better myself, so I'll just try to read it the best that I can. Narratives can really become weaponized at a time like this. Just days after an innocent black man is killed, the conversation has shifted to how looting is wrong and how will that fix anything. Rather than seek justice for the cold-blooded murder of an innocent man, people seek to further demonize the oppressed. When before the looting and riots, this was the scene. Peaceful. The fire was stoked because justice was not being served and because law enforcement's response to the peaceful protests was, by all accounts, hostile. When a significant portion of a country, not to mention an entire legal system, on a continual basis tells you your life doesn't matter as much as everyone else's, this is what happens. If you're mad at rioting, you're missing the point. People are angry now, rightfully so, and they're degraded and demonized for it. Whereas, when white people took to the streets just recently with automatic weapons because of their refusal to abide by stay-at-home orders, I don't recall it ever being reflected on the whole race. They were not maced. They were not targeted. In fact, nothing seemed to happen to them at all. There's a reason all of the cities the stay-at-home protests weren't burning the way they are in Minnesota now. The writing is on the wall. Nothing about this is right. End quote. So yeah, perfectly said. The focus should not be on whether or not their form of protesting is right. We should be focused on why they're rioting and understand their rage and do something about it. I know I keep quoting other people, but... My man Christopher Wilmore, a.k.a. Scarface, the dude who runs Street Beefs, he's been dropping truth bombs on this subject. And in a recent Facebook video, he said, If you are more or even close to his outrage, if you are equally outraged by looting, we are not friends. If that's what you want to focus on, that people are stealing stuff as opposed to being angry that a motherfucker was suffocated to death on camera... We ain't from the same world. I don't give a shit if they steal some TVs in the process. You want to talk about looting? This whole country is looting. The English came in and looted this country from the Indians. The English pulled up to this country, looked at the Indians and said, We discovered this. This is ours now. Don't talk to me about looting. I don't want to hear it. Address the killings, then worry about the looting. Better yet... Stop the killings, and there wouldn't be any looting. And yeah, easier said than done, I know. Correcting all the problems in a well-established and corrupt system is a long and arduous task that takes generations to fix. We've come a long way since slavery and segregation, but recent events serve to illuminate that we still haven't nearly come far enough. I personally, I'm torn up by the whole thing. Like, there's a lot wrong with everything that's going on. And I'm just so exhausted from debating people about it on Facebook that I almost don't want to talk about it now. But I'll try to sum up my personal views as completely but briefly as possible. This is so much bigger than just George Floyd. 
his death sparked these riots, yes, but it was really just like the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's just been piling up for years, decades even, centuries. People are sick of seeing the police get away with killing unarmed people of color over and over again. Pair that with people being quarantined at home with nothing better to do but sit and think about this stuff all the time, and it's going to boil over. So, while I can't condone the looting and destruction of property, I don't condemn it either. Like, they tried peaceful protests. Hell, even look at Martin Luther King. Yeah, he helped make a lot of change with his peaceful protest, but then they killed him too. And when someone like Colin Kaepernick takes a knee during a song that we've been conditioned to believe is somehow sacred, people lost their minds over it. It was all about how disrespectful it was to the troops instead of highlighting the reason he knelt in the first place. Oh, and he got the idea from an American soldier, so don't even. Again, I'm not saying that you should go out and wreck everything because you're upset. That only hurts the cause, but I do understand that rage. Trust me, I see you and I hear you loud and clear. Now let's take a step back and organize so that there's no possible way that we can be the ones who are demonized in this situation. Like if everyone just continues to protest peacefully, then when the cops and soldiers come to break it up with tear gas and rubber bullets, they'll be the obvious assholes in the equation and nobody will be able to say, yeah, but we don't know what that person was doing a few minutes before the officer threw him on the ground and started punching him. He could have been a looter. It's a bullshit argument anyway, but don't give them the chance to use it and we'll become all the more powerful for it. Turning the other cheek is not an act of weakness. It's an act of defiance. You know, when Jesus was talking about turning the other cheek, he knew his audience. He knew they were specifically thinking of the Roman soldiers who ruled over their land and would abuse their power all the time. And he was specific about the cheeks for a reason, too. So what Jesus actually said was, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the left as well. And the reason he said that was, traditionally at the time like you would use your left hand to do like dirty stuff i was just talking about this with my friend johan he's left-handed and we were talking about how like lefties have always been like demonized throughout history and like like it's it's a whole thing it's weird but anyway back then your left hand was like for doing dirty stuff like wiping and things like that like so if somebody hits you with their left hand it's usually disrespectful. It's usually just like a, like a slap. You know, someone, if, if someone wants to disrespect you, they slap you with the dirty hand. But if someone's going to punch you, they're going to punch you with the right hand. They're going to hit you hard. So when Jesus says, if they hit you on the right cheek, that means they'll be slapping you with the dirty left hand. So if they strike you on the right cheek, turn to them the left cheek as well. And what that really means is, oh, you want to hit me? Do it like you mean it. Punch me like we're equals. I am not beneath you. You want to hit me? Hit me like a man. That's the real tough guy move. And Jesus knew a thing or two about tough. I mean, they beat him within an inch of his life with whips and made him carry his own cross up a hill and then nailed him to it. And he still said, 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the power of pure love. So in conclusion, I just want us all to learn to love each other and try to understand each other through that lens of loving awareness. Hate can make us blinded to the fact that we're all human beings and in the end and we deserve love and compassion no matter what our past. Love and hate are not polar opposites. They're two sides of the same coin. Just like happiness and sadness, it's all part of you. So if I see something atrocious done by the cops or the looters or whoever, I don't say, I hate them. I would say, I hate what they're doing because I know they're capable of doing so much better and I wish they would. I was listening recently to an episode of the Ramdas Here and Now podcast the other day, which I really needed. Like it had been a while and hearing him speak gave me a lot of perspective. And Ramdas was talking about forgiveness. In the context of this specific talk, it was about learning to forgive yourself, but I think it still applies to other people because if you find something you really dislike about a person, there's a good chance it has something to do with the problems that you haven't dealt with in yourself. You know, one of the things he said here was that once you take a step back and move out of your own ego mind, you are no longer troubled by the concepts of good and evil, and you only see it all as nature. And you don't get more upset about people doing bad things than you do about a tornado wrecking a small town. They're both equally out of your control, and as upsetting as they may be, there's really not a whole lot any of us can do about it besides work on ourselves and how we respond to it. So I'll have good old Rami D close out this episode, but uh, I'm gonna play. Yeah, I'm gonna play that actual clip right now that I'm talking about. But uh, until next time. Just don't forget to mind your mind. Because when you mind your mind, then your mind won't mind. So mind your mind. Mind. What I have found is that as I have... uh, found and cultivated a a part of my being that is behind the good and the evil, behind the dark and the light, behind personality, behind even thought, that as I've cultivated that, which has a quality of of spaciousness, of presence, of uh, softness, of just isness, um, and as I have been less ego involved in dark and light the dark and the light come up and they make themselves more available to me because i am invested less in them that the intensity of the investment in an image of oneself that leads one to push away things that are not harmonious with the way which one wants in which one would like to see oneself what I have noticed is that as I, instead of dealing with them directly, as I've gone in a very oblique fashion, 
to merely cultivate these other parts of my being that I have divested these, the incredible lock-in of emotionality to these dark identities and the light identities. And then they just start to swirl in front of me and just seem like nature and its processes. Rather, and in the same way as I needn't forgive nature for a rainstorm because it is part of the way of things, so I don't end up forgiving nature, which is my own dark and lights and dramas and unfolding of stuff. I just come to allow it or acknowledge it and it loses its power. I, I'm really interested in how you divest something of the power as opposed to deal with it. Because dealing with it invests that plane of reality with a solidity. And the capacity to cultivate another plane of consciousness, it's the way in which um, the woman was, who was dealing with bereavement just now said, when I go into this other place, it's all perfectly clear and light. And all that stuff you're stuck in seems kind of irrelevant. And then you come back into it and it's all heavy and you seem like you're climbing a mountain. And the art, as I understand it, is to cultivate these other planes of consciousness. And then as you do it, you just, the stuff keeps coming up and you keep running it through. You no longer have to push it away because it falls into perspective. It's as if you've just shifted your focus. Like when I am with somebody and I am caught in our relationship, then what you did to me and what I did to you and you're not really feeling friendly and I'm concerned and we get caught in these structures. When we come up for air and we look at each other, we look and we see all this is the stuff of life between us. And at that moment, all that stuff just seems so malleable and so workable and so easily let goable and so changeable because our ego isn't invested in that plane of reality where that's all real. It's like uh, Thaddeus Golas who wrote a book called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. One of his lines was, what am I doing in this place where this is real? How did I get stuck here? What am I doing here? How bizarre. And I think that, um, so for example, when I feel like um, I'm in my personality structures in the darks and the lights and all, even though I'm in a culture that treats that with such reverence as if it's all so solidly real, I'm much more inclined to chant the Hanuman Chalisa and just sing the Hanuman and just go off in another angle, follow my breath or sing or talk to Maharaji and just, I love you, or think about Hanuman or the Ramayana or do my devotional practices or my service. And just, and people say, well, you're pushing it away. That sometimes when you're in it and you try to work it out, you just keep investing it. And it's a bottomless well of stuff. Because as long as you stay in the world of good and evil, it keeps feeding upon itself. And the only way I understand is to come to the place that exists behind dark and a light, in which then as your investment is less, the stuff keeps coming up 
and it just seems to be appreciated, understood why it is the way it is, and it starts to lose its power. And that I think is the only strategy I can suggest, right? Because I think the words like confront and forgive are all at that plane where that's real. <laughs>